Welcome to NFTeach. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy. This episode of NFTeach is presented by Aspen NFT, the place to have fun growing your NFT portfolio. Uh, I had the opportunity to ask several questions to a really controversial and informative Twitter account, none other than NFT Ethics. And so I'm going to share their responses uh, with you. We mutually decided that it would be best to do this episode not live so that their identities would not be revealed and their voices wouldn't be revealed. Uh, But I had the pleasure of asking them and crowdsourcing questions from the community to ask them. And I think you're going to really enjoy hearing their responses. Hope it's as informative for you as it was for me. Before we jump into it, let's hear from our sponsors, VinoVest. Fine wine has long been a cornerstone of wealth generation and preservation. The problem? Historically, it's been reserved for the ultra-wealthy. VinoVest is changing that. If you know me, you know I'm always looking for the next big player in the industry. I was amazed at how easy it was to get started in diversifying your investment portfolio. Wine has one-third the volatility of the stock market and has outperformed the global equities market over the past 30 years with 10.6% annualized returns, proving that the returns can be as robust as your favorite red. VinoVest makes it easy to acquire new investments equipped with a team of world-class sommeliers who evaluate wine and determine which ones will gain value over time. You own the wines in your portfolio outright. You can buy, sell, and even drink them whenever you want. Go to zen.ai slash nfteach to receive two months of fee-free investing on VinoVest. Be sure to mention that NFTeach is helping you save on two months of management fees. It's time to start investing with VinoVest today. All right, let's get into it. I had the ability to ask questions sourced from the community to the NFT ethics people. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through those responses with you and uh, make some comments along the way. So let's start with the first question. Where did the inspiration for this account come from? Their response? We didn't initially plan to create this account at all. We happen to have significantly invested in a couple of projects associated with Beanie, in particular Monkey Bet Dow. At some point, people found out that certain things were not going the way they should, and they put in a lot of effort to get the project back on track again. That was over a period of weeks, if not months, of quite intense communication with the team. When, we, when that didn't seem to be successful, we were able to discover Beanie's identity and spent many weeks digging into his past before releasing the information in the 70-tweet thread that most people in the NFT space will know. After creating that thread, things that were initially not possible with that project suddenly started to become possible and the team became much more responsive. The account NFT Ethics was named that way to make people aware of the importance of digital ethics in the NFT space. In principle, we didn't envision to further continue with that account. At that time, our Twitter account had less than 100 followers, but that quickly changed when the thread went viral and we suddenly had quite a big following. People started to DM and tag us with issues that they faced, and we became some sort of central repository for complaints and ethical issues, like scams, rugs, bad, a- bad actors, hypocritical behavior, etc. And as such, we were able to identify certain NFT trends earlier than others. The problem of decentralization is that many people know something, but no one really has the general overview to see and understand what's actually going on. 
with the exception maybe of some of the insiders who benefit most from this space, who have no incentive to change anything. We noticed at some point quite soon after our initial thread that many people were joining the NFT space and that at that time a lot of scammers started to become very active and productive. Our account is quite unique because we don't have any quote-unquote friends in this space or any vested interests, and as such we can publish about anything and anyone. We thought it was our moral obligation to use the account to warn particularly new people for all these scams and scammers, creating awareness, educating people, and trying to increase their critical thinking by showing that nothing in the NFT world is what it seems. So I think when you hear this from them, I, I kind of believe them that originally this just was the beanie post and it just sort of spiraled out of control from there. Um, and, I, you know, that post changed a lot of things for everyone. And I, I think like sort of knowing that there's this watchdog uh, out there um, probably promotes better behavior. Um, so, yeah. There's question one. Uh, so the beanie tweet just sort of spiraled out of control, and that was that. Let's get into question two. Question two. Why not dox yourselves? The response from NFT ethics. There are multiple reasons. We've created quite a few enemies, not because we wanted to, but because there are people acting unethically in this space in ways that are not sustainable for the NFT ETH ecosystem long term. The reasons for not doxing are, A, there are quite a few people active in this space that have very dubious backgrounds, and the fact that they have access to a lot of crypto in the dark web makes doxing quite risky. They already tried once to silence us digitally by getting our Twitter account suspended. In this space, many people are pseudo-anonymous, and giving up anonymity provides us with an unnecessary disadvantage to those who have remained anonymous. We fight with similar weapons than our enemies. C. We don't ask for money, we don't accept donations, NFTs, or anything in any shape or form, and never will, and want to remain neutral and impartial. We don't have a Discord or NFT to promote, and if we report our findings, it's always backed up by evidence and arguments, often via multiple independent sources. We do agree that some of the evidence is not as rigorous as our original thread about Beanie, but that's just simply not possible with the amount of projects that are being released daily, the number of bad actors, and the time sensitivity by which we had to release some of the information. If a scam project is going to mint, you can't wait until after it has taken place. We have a full-time job outside crypto NFTs and are actually not planning to remain active in this space, contrary to what most people seem to think. This space has changed significantly over the past year. It used to be quite exciting, new, and intellectually stimulating, but with the amount of bad and hypocritical, hypocritical actors now active, we've started to get quite bored with most of it. It's more of the same especially because a small but very powerful group of social media influencers don't show any incentive to create any form of self-regulation or to make any changes to make the space more ethical. We've tried to open people's eyes with regards to all the scammers, false prophets, shady hustlers, snake oil salesmen, hypocritical influencers, and pure criminals that are active in this space. If you would meet any of these people in real life and they would ask you for $100 to invest in their venture, you would in most cases just laugh and walk away. In the NFT space, however, when these same persons are hidden behind a couple of JPEGs, people are fighting to hand over thousands of dollars to them. The irony is that many people ask us to dox, while we don't ask or even accept money, but they are happy to support and defend dubious individuals who use all kinds of equally dubious excuses not to dox themselves and who have received a lot of their money. That's a really interesting point um, from NFT ethics at the end. You know, you're willing to throw money at these non projects. Um, but you're, you're sort of demanding these guys to, or gals to be doxxed. Um, that's certainly a, a valid point. Number three, 
I asked NFT Ethics, what is your process for deciding what to come forward and tweet about versus what is unsubstantiated? Their response. This is, this is to a certain extent, quite arbitrary and random. We try to focus on big established actors and projects, e.g. MoonPay, Larva Labs, etc., and on big upcoming projects where big is defined as having a large amount of traction in terms of Twitter, IG followers, and Discord members, and a relatively high mint price. If you want to make people aware of the ethical issues you want to address, you have to target the most visible and well-known actors and projects, and the ones who can do the most financial damage. The input is generally always based on people tweeting or DMing us about issues regarding actors, projects in this space, and the more messages we receive about the same project or actor, the more likely it is we are generally diving deeper into it. Some people really provide us with an in-depth information, suspicious wallet transactions, name of the people behind the project that were also involved in other projects, and if we can cross-reference, verify, and support that evidence with other data and public information, it's often recent enough for us to release our findings. Even though it's impossible to respond to all of the DMs, partially also because Twitter's DM system is the worst possible as it doesn't allow you to categorize important messages and even search for anything other than the respondent's name, we do read everything. And we might try to see if it's possible to export all of the messages in some way or another into a more user-friendly format. We always keep our sources and DMs completely confidential, so we want to do this in a responsible way and not use any applications that could potentially have vulnerability issues. We have become slightly more hesitant to publish things more recently because we have seen that people are trying to discredit us, e.g. most recently by making fake videos that seem we suggest to get paid to take projects down. We also have indications that people try to feed us with false information, hoping that we publish it in order to discredit us afterwards. We already mentioned in one of our tweets that if we publish something, it's possible that not everything is 100% correct. The irony is, is that if we're even 95% correct and 5% wrong, the other party and parties involved only focus on the 5% we get wrong and ignore the 95% that we were right about. It's almost impossible in this space to always be 100% correct because things change so quickly. To give some more examples, sometimes we mention that someone rugged Project XYZ, but when that project has been under new ownership, the new owners generally are very unhappy with us because we seem to suggest that the project is still a rug, which it isn't anymore. Also, there's, there are examples of initially well-intentioned people that quickly became corrupted by money and basically started to behave in a complete opposite and opportunistic direction. And the opposite is happening a lot as well. People that used to behave very unethically and have millions on their bank account because of that are now pretending to be good Samaritans and considered to be reputable pillars of this space. We do believe, however, that the day of reckoning will come as the blockchain transactions will forever be there to explore and investigate. So their process with NFT ethics really is about how big the project is, whether it's about the players involved or the traction that it's getting on social. So uh, that's an interesting thing to know. Um, and that would probably require a great deal of work to stay on top of, of what those those projects are. And then I think the part of people trying to, to give them wrong information to discredit them is really, really interesting, too. So good stuff. Let's get into the next one. This was a, a question that I thought was important, which is, how do you approach your own bags and not pumping or fudding things you hold? How is that conflict of interest sorted? The response, money has never been an incentive for us. And to give us an example to prove this point, even though Monkey Bet DAO was a very significant part of our total NFT portfolio, 
We did publish about Beanie. We did publish about Beanie, which from a financial perspective was not a very smart decision. We also didn't sell any NFT prior to releasing the thread about him. We've never financially benefited personally from any of the tweets and of course have never been paid by anyone in any shape or form. We have handed our wallet over to a respectable member within the NFT community to confirm this. The irony is that we hold one or two projects that we are really positive about, but because of the fact that we hold them, we can't tweet about them. So these projects could actually have an unfair disadvantage compared to some of the projects we don't hold. We are aware that you can't ethically address the ethical issues and foundations of Web3 while at the same time not behaving yourself in a manner that is considered to be ethical. We generally always ask ourselves the questions, if these news about our behavior became public, would it be considered to be unethical? The answer is yes, we wouldn't do it. So um, in response to that, I, all I can say is that I am aware uh, through another member of the community um, what the wallet situation looks like uh, for NFT ethics. And from from that analysis, there's nothing that seems to be uh, inappropriate happening. However, I mean, obviously you can have different wallets, but, but I mean, uh, long story short, um, it sounds like they're just not going to tweet about anything they hold. What I can say is they have yet to tweet about anything that they're holding uh, based off of, of my own research. Let's go to the next one. Question five. How do you think people should vet influencers in this space? NFT Ethics responded, we always said that actions speak louder than words. We would not trust any of the big NFT influencers just on face value. We would have to dive into their wallet transactions to see if they really practice what they preach. What we would generally check is, if they are doxxed, we check their track record with regard to business ventures and expertise on LinkedIn and via publicly available sources. Were they ever able to create a sustainable business for a longer period of time? If they are not doxxed, which we have all actually already found the identities of many influencers that are currently not doxxed, we check the, the past projects they may have been associated with and whether these are considered to be successful. We check their Twitter behavior. Are they involved in a lot of promotions? Do they send out tweets with whitelist giveaways, also requiring people to follow them? Have they ever been named as a scammer or rugger by anyone in the NFT community? Are they showing any critical self-reflection regarding the NFT space in general, or are they only hyping? We do a quick check on their public wallet to see some common patterns. Where did most of the money they generated come from? What projects have they predominantly invested in? Do they have multiple wallets that have been used for wash trading? Have they, have they for some reason been whitelisted for many projects and are they abusing it to quick flip the NFTs on OpenSea? Do they use Tornado Cash, etc.? And we then also try to see if there's a connection between tweets about buying and selling behavior to see if they try to take advantage of their followers via pump and dump schemes. So solid advice there. Um, interesting. I wonder how many and who they've, they've sort of done due diligence on that are, that, um, are not doxxed. And I wonder if the lack of tweeting about them indicates that they're clean from the NFT ethics perspective, um, which is which is pretty interesting. One of the projects that I discussed on Aspen Scambusters with my good friend Steve Bambury was Capetta. Capetta NFT was created as an educational project where they were just showing how easy it is to create hype, uh, and and. So I, I asked the NFT ethics people, what would your approach to vetting a project be? And I brought up Capetta as an example. Their response, it's worrying to see how that project was able to get so much traction in a short time and that people almost blindly fall into such obvious traps. 
Not many people in this space do seem to do any proper research or due diligence into any project they want to become active in, and that's truly worrying. Ultimately, we think more reputable Web2 players and brands should enter the NFT space that truly have a reputation to protect and have the track record, infrastructure, and longevity in place to commit themselves to projects for decades to come. Individuals, and certainly most of the ones that are active in the space, don't really have any incentive to continue to build out projects once they have received the mint millions. They might just consider it as a failed business venture. Our advice, in, our advice in general is, if a project is clearly created for the sole short-term purpose of a money grab or scam, don't mint. It's often quite easy to see if projects really invested in a long-term roadmap and are open to constructive feedback and transparency. What to check for in a project. Here, There are some very good threads out there by others that have mentioned many red flags such as teams, anonymous or not, without any proven track record, Fake followers on social media and in Discord only to create artificial hype and keep the illusion that there's a lot of engagement. Projects that ban or block people for asking legitimate questions and immediately say that they FUD. High mint prices. Calculate how much the project will make after mint and ask yourself how can they justify that. Low quality or stolen art. Shady whitelist practices. Giving the spots to insiders who benefit massively from flipping, flipping these NFTs immediately and wash trading. Buying off OpenSea with their own accounts to pretend there's demand. Using paid Twitter, IG, TikTok promoters that are known to promote anything they are paid for. Creating unrealistic promises, expectations, and claims, the value of most NFT projects will likely go to zero. So if you suggest new people otherwise, it's clear that you don't have their best interests at heart. Um, I thought this is their best response to a, to a question. The mint millions, this concept of people don't really have any incentive to continue to build once they've gotten millions of dollars, that's that's kind of true. And so maybe part of it is that we need to start demanding people to build prior to, to launch. And we've seen uh, good projects that have sort of built out their ecosystem a little more prior to mint and and that makes a big difference it shows that that there's some skin in the game for the for the creators but i think that um th th i wonder what the community's response is that we need more reputable web 2 players and brands into the space i mean um i certainly think that i've had guests like adam brotman or avery Akinini, um who who have talked about how you know web 2 brands will enter this space but uh, i'm curious to see what the, the sort of community sentiment in response to that question is it's pretty interesting. So let's get into question seven. One piece of advice that the NFT ethics folks gave to NFT collectors was not to mint for two weeks. And, and I asked them about that and I asked them, do you worry that you're going to negatively impact honest projects? Their response we were one of the first to observe and mention that scammers had entered the NFT space at an industrial scale. This was mainly because so many people DM us about projects that we had never heard of and which were mainly advertised on Instagram and TikTok and via obvious paid promoters on Twitter that I had no experienced NFT person takes seriously. We explicitly mentioned that new people shouldn't mention, mint anything for two weeks as we noticed that scammers were churning out project after project, sometimes even three a day, to deceive especially young, naive, and easily influenced persons that were completely new to the NFT space. We simply couldn't warn for all of the individual projects, so we thought it was better to come up with this bold warning. That's another thing. We've noticed that not everyone active in this space always seems to understand irony or nuance, so we've been a bit bolder than we would have normally liked to. 
Sure, we might have, in theory, negatively impacted Honest projects that we're minting in that same time frame, but given that those projects would account for a very small minority, uh, we still think it was the right decision to make people aware of this the way we did. So there you go. Um, there's an update uh, in terms of that question about minting. And I think it's important that they qualified it with like really talking about new people minting um, just to make sure that they're learning what to look for and sort of anticipate some of those red flags that NFT ethics had mentioned. So we're going to get into our last question. Last question for NFT ethics was, if you had to rank the two most egregious unethical behaviors you've witnessed in this space, what are they and why? Their response. The first one applies to both the Web 2 and Web 3 world. It's the perverse incentives that reward opportunistic, hypocritical, and unethical behavior. Social media platforms like Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook have allowed their main assets, the large influencer celebrity accounts, to get away with promoting all kinds of scams. And they all benefit massively from the additional engagement. In Web 3, the same influential people are all trying to defend their own little kingdoms and don't dare to offend any of the other influencers by calling them out for any wrongdoings as they are generally afraid to get either canceled or give the NFT space a bad name. There are exceptions, but only a few. We would ask some more rhetorical questions to show these perverse incentives. Why would an artist that is paid a lot of money by a founder that scammed and rugged the project call them out when that artist is asked again next time to create art for another one of these scam projects? Why would any alpha group that constantly gets whitelist spots to quickly flip some NFTs just after minting call out any unethical project when they receive whitelist spots again for another project by the same founders? Why would any NFT influencer, whose whole importance and wealth completely depends on the NFT space, which by the way, many of these people were not very successful in real life, start to call out bad things about this space and other NFT influencers when that can only have a negative impact on them? Why would paid NFT influencers who promote scam calls out the scammers when those scammers are their main source of income? Why would any social media network ban or block those people that promote scams and pay for these promotions, ban the people that only generate them more engagement and money? Founders get most of the money during the minting process when the project is only based on hype. This continues during the honeymoon period when still a lot of things are promised and OS royalties are flowing in. Why is no one coming up with performance or incentive-based contracts? Because the majority of the influencers are benefiting from this model and they have no incentive to change this in any way etc. There are endless more questions like this that you can ask. Purposely deceiving people and abusing your influence as a reputable influencer is really quite unethical. And it gets even worse when you know that there are a lot of Fortnite gaming esports influencers who basically deceive children for their own benefit. At some point this will all come out. Besides the above points, there are very perverse incentives and no one really taking any action to make the space more, more ethical the other point to be aware of is that the NFT game is rigged and the largest influencers are often very hypocritical. We hear GMGM, GM, love you bro, and all we give is about the community, but when you dive into these people's behaviors, you have to conclude that that is not really in line with how they act. We recently just gave an example of a prominent person who founded his company with Stephen Cohen and was fully transparent about it, so it was not that we wanted to personally attack this person in any way. The information was just there for anyone to see. It was to show the hypocrisy of someone who dislikes to be accused of insider trading, but is working with the person that founded the company that pleaded guilty to insider trading in one of the biggest criminal cases against a hedge fund, a $1.8 billion fine, and was able to accumulate his wealth in unethical ways. 
Cohen escaped jail by pretending not to know about certain things that he demanded from his employees. But eight former SAC Capital employees were either convicted at trial or pleaded guilty, including Matthew Martoma, who was convicted and began serving a nine-year sentence in 2014. He was released early in 2021. Some people in the crypto world would just love a man like Cohen, who now has a net worth of $16 billion and got, got away with all kinds of shady dealings. But they may not have read his most recent article, and, and that might change their mind. So if we read people saying that they love diversity and inclusivity, we always take it with a grain of salt until proven otherwise. The narrative in the NFT space is dominated by large influencers that are respected by the NFT community, and people are brought into the space based on false premises and promises. Always the exceptions are highlighted. Most people have noticed the space because of an article about Board Ape Yacht Club or CryptoPunks in which these people bought an ape for 1000 USD or less and then flipped it for $1 million. But these projects are the exception to the rule. And whitelist spots for many projects mainly go to influencers and alpha groups to which all these influencers are connected, while innocent people grinding in the Discord channels to create publicity for these projects are simply abused. The majority of the influencers have backgrounds of quite high-risk behavior. We're talking gamblers, traders, teenagers, and many failed in-real-life in ventures, and rarely anyone who's had a long-term business commitment. And they generally only focus on short-term gains. These people exploit innocent people that they think should hold on to their NFTs because they'll follow the same value curve as Board API Club. All of the above might make it look as if we're cynical and think there's no good people in the world, but the opposite is actually true. We have many powerful, unethical enemies that are influential, but we have even more powerless and ethical friends that are not influential. And that is also the reason why you don't hear from these people much, because they don't have many followers and they don't have an incentive to be very vocal about this NFT space, as they generally don't see any significant financial interest. All our vocal enemies are generally people that don't want us to jeopardize their unethical business model, and their main incentive is to attack us. We will see how the space evolves. We won't delete tweets, although we receive a lot of DM requests to do so, and history will prove if we were right. One final concluding thought. There is the famous saying, fake it till you make it. Maybe the NFT space required all these charlatans to get the attention of the mainstream world. It's ironic, but it could be true. Well, uh, that wraps up my uh, crowdsourced interview with NFT Ethics. We'll bring them more questions later in the year. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that and I hope it gave you some things to think about. Uh, as for now, it's going to be Dr. Jeremy signing off, saying take care of yourselves and each other. And we'll talk to you on this week's Aspen Scambusters. Peace.